Hey, it's Rich. We've talked a lot about personal privacy on this podcast, but one perspective we haven't really touched on is how businesses can generate revenue selling identity protection solutions. The privacy market is hot, there's no doubt about it. But building tech products from the ground up is time intensive and costly. And when you do it on your own, well, there's no guarantee those products will even be successful. In this episode, we're speaking to the Vice President of Sales at Anonymy Labs. He works with business leaders, helping them solve complex problems in the area of identity protection. The challenges are often great, but the good news is they can always be resolved. And for the business leaders, well, they're always happy. And why wouldn't they be? No lengthy product development process and a quick spike in revenue. That's a story any executive could get behind. Enjoy the interview. You're listening to Privacy Files. This episode is brought to you by Anonymy Labs, makers of MySudo, the world's only all-in-one privacy app. And Sudo Platform, the cloud-based platform companies turn to for seamlessly integrating privacy solutions into their software. And please check out our newest offering, MySudo VPN, now available in the App Store and Play Store, a consumer VPN that is actually private. Matt, welcome to Privacy Files. Thanks for having me, Rich. Should be fun. A lot of exciting stuff going on in this B2B solution space when it comes to privacy. And I know you've been walking the floor a lot in different trade shows recently. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say and, and kind of what some of your conclusions are. Maybe you can start off with just telling us a little bit about what you do here at Anonymy Labs. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, at Anonymy, we are one of the four thought leaders around data privacy. And we have built some really fantastic tools that the consumers have been using for a number of years. And my role has been is to take a lot of these consumer tools and package them in ways that enterprises can use them to optimize many of their customer bases. And as the, the world is changing, the old days of harvesting your data for anything, selling anything to everyone, uh, you know, the, the tide is changing a little bit. We see this even with, with Apple, you know, over the last three or four years, a lot of their marketing campaign was that you can trust us. Uh, we have your data, you can trust us. And even with the newest launch, the newest software update, it was a lot of the tools in there around private browsing and helping keep your data, keeping your data offline. And so the, the tide is starting to change. It's going to, it is, you're seeing that the market is starting to focus a little bit more on this privacy of your information. And so we have some fantastic tools. We're ahead of the game. We've been in it for, for eight years. And so it now is just providing options for other organizations to utilize those tools that we've built. Privacy really is hot right now. Just on the way to the office, I saw a billboard about privacy. It just, <laughs> it's, it seems like I'm seeing advertising all the time on YouTube so yeah, there's there's so many opportunities. I think if you're on a, on the business side of it to monetize that and take advantage of this increasingly aware society, I guess of what happens to their data. But there's still that huge education gap. I think just there, there's a knowledge gap in general. Where when uh, the team here at Anonymy went to that bridal expo here in Salt Lake City back in May, a lot of people seem to be aware about privacy. They understand that it's important, but they just don't know what to do. Yeah, getting started is always the most difficult thing with anything it, because it feels like such an 
you know, uh, insurmountable task is where do I get going? And if there's any kind of friction in that process, we just, we're too busy or we think we're too busy or yeah, we were speaking of privacy, right? We're on TikTok and it's like, I'd rather go back to TikTok and watch another 15 minute video about a cat or whatever the case is. Right. And so, um, it's just being able to provide tools with low levels of friction so that they can use them in that way. There's so many tools, right, that Citadel Platform offers, but, and yeah, privacy seems to be hot right now, but the topic that I hear talked about so much is decentralized identity. And it still seems like there's a lot of things being developed in that area, but you've been walking the floor at shows now. What are you seeing? Yeah, I think the most common thing is that people don't know what it is. And if you ask 10 people, what is decentralized identity? You are, you're going to get probably eight different answers. You know, I'd say there's two or three that are going to be on that line. And those are probably some of the folks that have been, uh, you know, data privacy for years and they know exactly what it is. But for the layperson, somebody that's similar to like myself, they just don't know what it means. And so the reality is if you just simply break it down and you think about it, decentralized meanings that, right, is that we want to avoid the centralized, the past and, uh, you know, one of the top podcasts that you guys have done is around decentralized identity with Dr. Ashley. And he, he goes into great detail, and I, I'm certainly not his level of education on it, so I'm not going to waste my time. But what he does go into is that, hey, these, if you think about it for the last 20 years, they've been these large warehouse, data warehouses. That's the Googles, the Apples, the Amazons, the Facebook, if you're in social media with Instagram and WhatsApp and all these different tools. And they've been storing your data for 20 years and they're doing all kinds of things with it. You hope that none of them are nefarious, but some of them probably are. And, but really they're taking this data and they're selling it. They're selling it to the highest bidder. They're populating ads that are supposed to be more relevant to you, which in a lot of ways is good. But I I think that that pendulum swung so far to that side, it's just natural that it's going to swing the entire side back. And then 15 or 20 years, we'll probably land at a happy place. But I think people are generally starting to see, okay, this is not, this doesn't feel right. Um, You don't need to know my social security number for you to deliver food to my house, right? Like, and so we, we just have to, going back to that, what decentralized identity. So we've got to take that out of that central space. We've got to decentralize it. We've got to put it in your hands. We just have to provide the tools for you as the consumer to make those decisions. If you want somebody to have all of your information, great, share it. If you only want them to have the pieces that are pertinent, then you should have the power to do that. And it's just a matter of being able to provide those tools to us. So what I'm hearing, again, generally is that most people don't know what it is. Most people still think that it's years and years away. And the reality is that it's not. There are options available right now to help your, you know, again, thinking that financial, how we can generate revenue for our customers, which is the value that we bring. There are ways right now to be ahead of the curve, offering solutions to your customers to help them feel more safe with you as, as they're doing business with you. We've talked many times on this podcast about the definition of privacy is so different depending on the person. There's extreme people who don't want any advertising online that's tailored to their their interests. But what I've noticed is, and obviously this is common, especially when you're in the field of sales, that if you don't recognize that there's a problem, you don't seek a solution. Right? And I think that's where that knowledge gap comes in. Maybe to help kind of set that foundation, How do you? where do you kind of fall in the privacy space? Extreme? you know, normie, don't care, you know, kind of where are you? Yeah. If there was a scale of one to five, five being 
the tinfoil hat type of personality, I'm probably a one, maybe even a half. And some of that is simply because I guess I'm too late in the game in a lot of cases. It feels that way. Um, I'm old enough to have known life without the technology that we have, but the majority of my life has had the technology and my information is scattered across the globe and a gazillion different places. And so it is a little bit like, well, what can I do now? I'm a little too late in the game. Now, some of that is just me being ignorant and probably maybe lazy a little bit, if you will, with my data. You mentioned, so we had Dr. Ashley on and he talked about more of the technology and the architecture of decentralized identity. In layman's terms, for somebody, like you said, who's out there going to one of these shows in the area of technology, maybe they're in healthcare, banking, whatever it might be. How do you talk about decentralized identity in a way that can easily resonate with somebody who's like, let's say, in a business development role? I still think it is. it can be difficult to break it down into in terms to where most people understand it. But what I kind of talk through is just simply as taking the power back. You own your data on your personal uh, mobile device or on your computer where you own that and you decide who gets what data and when. Um, you know, it's interesting, I think, in that podcast with Dr. Ashley, he brings up the driver's license concept, and that's one that's really easy to explain as well, is that if I go into a bar, the only thing they need to know is if I'm 21 or not. They, they don't need to know anything else, quite literally nothing else. And I think that's the best example, is that in that case, I can share with them the data that I am 21. I don't need to share my social security number. I don't need to share my hair color. I don't need to show my share my home address. And that is the idea behind decentralized identity, or again, uh, talking to Dr. Ashley's podcast, as he calls it a digital identity. And that's actually where I have started the messaging more is digital identity, because decentralized, I think it just gets people's heads wrapped around the axle a little bit in that it's so far away. And I don't know what that means, but people understand what a digital identity is, right? So it's a simple this is my digital identity. I own that identity. I decide who gets what information and when. Yeah, and virtually everybody has a phone today. So that makes it so easy. I mean, that's your vehicle. Correct. Yep. So you've been spending a lot of time, I guess, recently in the financial industry. Maybe you can talk about that and what some of the challenges are in that in that space. Yeah, I've spent the last seven or eight years of my career in insurance or, or the fintech space. And so the last three or four years have been in the fintechs primarily um, lending, credit unions, banking institutions, and where the decentralized or digital identity comes into play there is that one great example is that when I when most people go to, sh- to get a mortgage, nobody's getting one right now because interest rates are over 8%, <laughs> but uh, when most people go to get a mortgage, they shop around, they go to three or four different places. Uh, the majority of people go to at least two. And with that, the process is just extremely painful of sharing so much information with multiple sources. It can be a very difficult process, or even though you sign up on a, on a site like Rocket Mortgage, and then you get 35 phone calls and you get 110 emails in the next three or four days and your phone rings off the hook for the next month because they're trying to get you to do a loan. And so the idea there, just talking about back to the financial institutions is Can we provide tools to where somebody can just simply fill out that information once in what would be called a digital wallet or a lending wallet or whatever that case would be, lending profile, 
and simply share the information that's pertinent to each of these folks or each of these companies to get the approval and a potential interest rate um, so with less work on both sides of the equation. So me as the consumer and the institution in the amount of legwork that they have to do, if we can just provide them that information in a token of some sort that makes that process a lot easier. Account onboarding, I guess speed to onboarding for new accounts is a big issue in that space. Yeah, a number of reasons why. One is fraud. You know, fraud is extremely rampant, always has been. It has grown significantly over the last four or five years simply because there's now so many different ways to fraud financial institutions. One with the with the AI and the vo- the ability to mimic somebody's voice is is crazy. You know, I heard a somebody wrote an Eminem song in his voice and everything, and you quite literally couldn't tell the difference. And so, you know, if some of these voice metrics, biometrics are being utilized, you can fake voices. And so fraud is key, simply just the process friction. If you think about the younger generations, meaning, you know, 30 or below, they don't want to go into a branch. Many of them have never even been in a branch, right? They don't even know what that process looks like. And if you create friction to where I can't sign up online. I have to actually go into a physical branch. They're likely going to go to another institution. And so we've got to solve a couple of things. And in a lot of ways with a digital identity or decentralized identity, you can fix all of those problems. So in the onboarding process, again, utilizing those tools is that we can verify who you are, where your address is, and then you tack on a virtual card and you can actually fund that account you know, the ideal time is under five minutes or close to five minutes that I can eliminate or certainly decrease the amount of fraud, which is billions of billions of dollars every year. And then I can, by putting money in the account quickly and providing them with a virtual card, I can get them to use that card today instead of wait two or three weeks. And that that is just an obstacle be- between getting your account active and running and going and continuing and so, you know, a lot of those things that can be solved with a solution like a digital identity or a decentralized identity. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned. I hadn't thought about the the generational marketing angle because the if you're not taking into account what the preferences are of that younger generation, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, and if you break down the generations, the older generations, the boomers that are now in their 70s, 80s that have, if we're being fair, have the majority of the wealth in this country they are the perfect candidates for identity theft. They have money, they're gullible. <laughs> gullible is maybe not the right word, but they don't know all of the tricks these days of, of fraudsters. And so you've got to protect them because if they can get into one of their accounts, they have large amounts of money that can be gone. And so that's where some of this identity theft protection tools come into play. And then when you look at the younger generations, the, I would even say 40 and below, if there's a barrier to open an account or doing business with you, they will go somewhere else because there's not a barrier at the at the bank or the credit union next door. So you have to be able to provide those tools. And if you think for a lot of credit unions, they're university-based or based around colleges or universities. And, and every fall and spring, they come in to a large number of people entering the campus and never having a chat, checking account before. So they need to sign up for one. And again, they're not going to walk into a branch and do it by paper and sign something. They've never done that before. They don't even know what that looks like. And so you have to provide an online digital engagement. Otherwise, 
you know, Venmo, you can get checking accounts and savings accounts with Venmo. Now they, you know, they've had Venmo in their pocket for six years, seven years. And so you have to provide them with ways to get access to their money, open an account quickly and get them using it. You've spent a lot of time too, I think, in in a past life in the create in the credit union space too. What what are the nuances that I guess things that are unique to credit unions versus some larger financial institution? Yeah, credit unions are technically they're nonprofits. You know, they 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 aren't driven by profitability. They're driven by trying to do what is right and providing a member experience that is unparalleled and they're that's one nuance is credit unions, their members and banks, their customers. And uh, banks are much more driven by profitability, drive, you know, creating revenue streams. Credit unions really are, they're trying to do what's best for their membership. It's usually started around some kind of community or your religious affiliation. It's often around that. And so they, they want to protect their own and take care of their own. Interest rates are usually a little bit more aggressive because they're not trying to make as much margin. And so they really are trying to do what's best for their membership. They take great pride in it and and doing those types of things. At least a couple events you've been to recently were financial. What are you hearing overall in terms of what people are saying to you or their challenges right now? What are, what are they trying to overcome? Obviously, they're trying to meet their market demands, but I'm sure they're talking about internal challenges too. Maybe they're behind the ball on technology innovation, but imagine. One thing that is a constant since, I would say since COVID and just since the younger generations don't really want to do the hard jobs um, is staffing. Staffing is a concern across every industry, you know, retail, but it is with banks, credit unions as well as being able to staff for branches, staffing for contact centers, because now, again, people don't want to go to the branch, so the contact centers are blowing up. So the phone calls, text messages, right, They th- those types of things are exploding. And so um, that is always a concern. The other one really is fraud. Fraud is a, a constant battle that all financial institutions are dealing with. Uh, credit unions specifically are certainly trying to trying to work that out. And so it's how can we accommodate those? So is there technology that we can put in place to lower the needs of the staff? Like, so if I, if there's something that can be done to eliminate the need of a staff, you know, for example, just the authentication process when I'm calling into a contact center, a financial contact center, they've got to validate who I am before they can do anything financially that process can take two to three minutes. If I can eliminate that and cut that down to 15 seconds or 30 seconds by firing off an authentication into a digital wallet, right? That's where we're kind of bringing all this back full circle is doing uh, that in a decentralized identity or digital wallet or having this these tools embedded in their current app, the ability to authenticate them through a message, a number, and they can click right in the app, they hit yes, that goes from two to three minutes to 30 seconds. That eliminates their staffing issues, right? That saves them fraud, eliminates the fraud. So there's a lot of things that can be done with the same tools. Now, speaking of the financial industry, Anonymy Labs is going to uh, Money 2020 this month, which is in Vegas, booth 13729. Come stop by. Say hi. 
Now, this is the first time I will have ever been to this event. Is this one of the largest, if not the largest in this industry? Yeah, it is certainly one of the largest, I, I would say, if not the largest. You know, they, I think they say that they're the largest, but, uh, you know, that's, of course, their their own marketing. But, yeah, the expectation is there will be 13, 14, 15,000 people that will uh, hit Las Vegas for for Sunday to Wednesday. A lot of people be talking about how to how to make their businesses more efficient using tools, how to generate more income, how to generate more revenue, and uh, digital identity, decentralized identity is certainly going to be a hot topic. Yeah, I just wrote down here. I mean, they talk about covering, of course, traditional banks, payments, tech, startups, retail, fintech. Obviously, fintech is always a hot topic. Financial services in general, policy, Federal Reserve. One of the banks will be there too. I think. So, but it's, a, I guess, about 13,000 attendees. So that's a good size event. Yeah, that's a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we're excited to, to get out there and talk through this, the, you know, the onboarding options that we have and identity theft protection and a few different tools that we have. But let's get into just the overall, the pseudo platform solution. So when you're thinking about how you talk about this, again, in layman's terms to somebody who's trying to add a new revenue stream to their business, how do you describe how the process works, right? You've got the SDKs and then you put your, do your thing with the programming behind the scenes, the coding, you put your branding on it, go off, sell it to your end users. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, but how does the model work, I guess, in general? Development resources, the ability to, you know, there's every credit union, every bank, every company right now has a shortage of developers to create the tools that they need to help with some kind of a business. You know, they're implementing a new software for finance or they're implementing a new CRM system that's going to hold all of their data or they're onboarding a new app or whatever the case is. And so it's very common for solutions to problems to be put on the back shelf because they don't have development resources. They don't have project management resources, they don't have the tools or the capabilities internally to actually complete some of those tasks. And so one of the benefits of the platform that we have built are these tools that many of you have used in MySudo. We can simply pull those out and and through our APIs, through our SDKs, you can utilize our platform to just put them right into your solution with, I don't want to say zero lift, zero tech lift, but certainly little tech lift because we've built all the tools, we've optimized the process. So it'll be extremely easy for your organization to just implement a private browser into your, you know, banking app or, you know, a password manager, a personal password manager that they can utilize again to be proactive in this data privacy battle that we're all coming up against. And so uh, we provide the tools, we do all the heavy lifting, we work with you, we have branding kits, we have everything that you need to almost plug and play to where we can, again, a banking institutions, if you think about credit unions, banks, wealth managers, they are built on trust. If I don't trust you, I'm not going to give you my money, right? And one way to help in that trust fight is to say, we're going to be in this battle with you. We will provide you with tools to be proactive in your data privacy, not just, hey, if your money gets taken out of your account, call us and we'll help you fix it. Well, why don't we try to avoid the money being taken out ever? And so we have solutions that can certainly mitigate or shrink the percentage or the likelihood that something nefarious is going to happen. And we can do that really quickly and easily by utilizing the platform that we've built. 
Yeah, I think that one of the takeaway messages is product development is hard, right? Resource intensive can take a long period of time. And, and, and if you're doing it from scratch, you don't even know if it's going to be effective when you're done. It's a huge gamble sometimes. Well, I mean, data privacy is a new topic. Let's be fair. I mean, you know, again, for the last 20 years, Google and Facebook and all these companies have harvested every little inch of our, of who we are. And so not only is product development difficult, it's more difficult in an area that nobody has really been talking about. Now, you know, the folks in the corner that, uh, that is their pride data privacy, they have been like Anonymy Labs. You know, we've been open since 2014. We're one of the pioneers in this space. And so if you're going to go to business with anybody, you want to focus with somebody that's been around a long time. So, so yes, to pile onto what you said, product development is more, is difficult. It's even more difficult in a space that is new to people that is data privacy. And so we can simply help with that. We can make it really easy for you to turn on the solution for you. What what are some other industries that you think platform solutions in general, whether it's DI or password manager, whatever it might be, what are some other industries that you think this would be a great application for? Ooh, that's a great question. I, I think any, any industry that has PII and would like to, if you're the organization, if you would like to unload the burden of holding that PII and that is very broad and it's broad on purpose because there's healthcare, they store an enormous amount of PII and they don't want to own it. Nobody wants to own it because if, as soon as there's a data breach, you know, that data, their names in lights all over everywhere. They start to have lawsuits around my data was stolen. What happened to that data? And so any industry that has PII and they don't want to own it, but they still need that data. Well, let's push it on the ownership of the consumer. Let's put it into their hands, in their wallet, in their phone, that that data is stored on their phone, not in your database in the cloud through, you know, AWS, right? And so, yeah, the answer is there's any industry that has PII is really the answer. There's also the PR angle too, because it's just good business today, right? To have products that are helping people protect their personal data. It's It's just goodwill. It is goodwill. And we've been talking about credit unions and banks uh, for the last 30 minutes or so. And speaking to that specifically, again, it is building on that value prop that we are your trusted financial solution. We guarantee up to $250,000 of your money, right? Well, the government does, but through our institution, their institution. And so you want to continue to add on to that. You want these people to give you more money in different ways. And the way to do that is to build that trust blanket over them. And what better way to say, not only are we going to protect your money, we are going to help you be proactive in protecting your money by providing these solutions that, hey, when you open a checking account, we're going to, a part of your app is we're going to provide you with a password manager because 80, it's like 80% of data breaches are based on poor passwords. We can fix that with creating a password manager, we install it in your app. You can use it to do that as well as a private browser, as well as a virtual car. These are all tools that not only, like you said, the PR angle is to get in front of them and say, hey, we're taking care of you. This world is getting nasty. Let us help you. That's going to help them drive their, it's going to create additional stickiness because they're going to they're gonna feel like you're protecting them. They're looking out for them. 
you're hopefully actually going to stop some of those nefarious things. So the fraud from the business side is going to go down. Um, and, and overall, they are just going to simply see it as a very a win-win. And additionally is that we can drive more revenue for these institutions right now. In a lot of banks, credit unions, there's kind of interest income, which is generating from loans, right? Um, or some way to maximize their money. The other one is non-interest income. The interest income right now is outside of their hands. The Fed owns a lot of where that's going. There's very little they can do. But the non-interest income, that's something that these financial institutions can own, and we can help them drive additional revenue. Who doesn't want new revenue streams, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great way to, hey, generate an extra 4 or $5 per month per member, again, while helping them see that you've got their back and creating new revenue streams. That's two birds with one stone. All right, Matt. So as you can imagine, probably the most important question people are thinking as they're listening to this, how do you make money from it? <laughs> that's a great question. And that's, I think there, there's a couple of different revenue streams that uh, we can go down. One is that digital identity protection, which is a lot of companies right now have a digital identity theft or a digital identity insurance or identity theft insurance. You know, that's very common. Most large insurance carriers, they have an identity theft insurance where if my identity is stolen, they'll help me get back on track. They'll compensate me for it. And, you know, they'll, they'll kind of take care of me. One of the ways, one of the things that's really easy in that, again, like we talked about earlier, is being proactive in that battle instead of when at negative, something negative happens, like my identity is stolen, then dealing with it is being proactive in that outreach. And so what we can do is if you already have a solution that you're offering identity theft or you're offering credit monitoring, you know, at your bank or financial institution, let us simply tack on a few additional tools like private browsing, like, you know, a password manager for your personal password manager or a VPN or a virtual card We've got a number of different solutions that we can simply white label into your current solution. And instead of charging $5.99 for your credit monitoring, we can charge $9.99 and for a, a few additional tools. And there you go. You get to increase your per monthly revenue stream from this member by adding a few additional tools as well as creating stickiness, you know, because they are buying more from you. And like we talked about, that trust factor is being able to simply, they believe that you are trying to help them in their financial journey. And so it really is a win-win solution. So when that digital identity, and it doesn't have to be in that digital identity, just think of some of these tools that we have, private browser, again, password manager, add and tracker blocker, all these different tools, we can white label it and we can install it through our SDKs or APIs, put it right into your current solution and so it looks like it's coming from you. That's one of the easiest ways we can get that turned up. Super simple. We've used it. Uh, you know, we have over 200,000 members or customers using that type of a solution now. And so it's something that we're very familiar with and we can turn it on very relatively quickly. The other one is in that decentralized identity or that digital identity, really the, the best use case right now is in that onboarding process. So if you're onboarding a member or a customer, really in anything, and there's a there's three or four pieces of information that you need, for example, in a, opening a checking account, you need to know, validate who they are, where they live, and again, typically funds. 
We can do all that for you. Right now, you're likely using three or four different vendors. We can be that one one vendor, and ideally, we can shorten it to a significantly quicker turnaround time. And again, when we utilize that virtual card, we can issue a virtual we can issue you a virtual card right at account opening, so they can start using that card using your account right immediately instead of having to wait two or three weeks to get that card. And then who knows what happens between that time. We want them to be active in that. And so that one is, when it comes to revenue driver, that's more of a, um, you know, there's kind of two different ways to drive revenue. One is to generate income coming in, right? Or decrease outgoing expense. The onboarding process, optimizing that process, that's going to be more of a efficiency gains than it would be generating new revenue except outside of virtual cards. But again, that's really just to drive stickiness. Virtual cards are hot. I've heard so much about it. And over the last six months, we did an episode, I was probably 10 or so back where we were talking to Dave Glass, who's the product manager here for, um, for virtual cards. And, um, where do you think that is going? I mean, I, there's just, there's so much activity on it now. And a lot of it's being driven, of course, just by fraud in general. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, if you are an iPhone user, you know that you can, populate a virtual card within a click or two. If you by chance have an Apple card, you know, backed by Goldman Sachs, you can create a virtual card within a second. Capital One, you see the ads all over TV. Um, And just any of your, any of the bigger names, if you have a credit card with them, you are likely getting emails or push notifications to your inbox daily or at least weekly about using a virtual card. There's many values to it. And, uh, you know, David probably spoke better than I will about it. But one is you can create limits on it. If that card is stolen, you just turn it off and create a new one. It's not, you don't have to go and change the number with all 30, you know, Netflix and Apple and all those things that are auto charging. You don't have to do that um, because your true card number is, is not on the web. And so... Um, I just see that the use of virtual cards is going to increase significantly. I mean, I think we even have data um, saying that that is going to go continue to go through the roof. So it's certainly some, all these solutions, if you're not doing something about it now, you're starting to be behind the game. These are, again, when you have Apple rollout that our, their entire marketing campaign for about a year and a half was about, we protect your data. And if you're not moving in action now toward doing something like that for your customers, you're behind. Yeah. It's data is so huge. I obviously not here at Anonymy, but I I worked at a company in the past where it was very common for people to write credit card numbers down on sticky notes. Just they were sitting there on the desk and I'm just thinking, okay, that doesn't work. Or take pictures, (laughs) right? I mean, you know, everybody takes a picture and sends it to their spouse when they need the card or whatever the case is. And so... Those, yeah, those are just out there for everyone to find. So you mentioned in terms of monetizing these solutions from the pseudo platform, selling to their end users, the company's end users, but what about opportunities maybe where they might bake it in? So let's say encrypted communications, if you're a, if you're a bank, some financial institution, and you want to have secure communications with your customers, I suppose that's an option too? A- absolutely, yeah. You know, within the MySudo app, we have open and closed communication. And those are certainly things that can be built into the tools. And so 
one of the companies that I came from previously, their business was pretty much built on that type of communication. And so we can, we can offer that as well. And, you know, again, it, one of the key things in communicating with your financial institution is they have to verify who you are. Otherwise they can't share any, any, any information. The conversation is, is almost fruitless because they can't validate who you are. And so they can't share anything that's really important. They can't share with, even think about when you change a flight, you've got to provide them with all kinds of information about who you are. And so if you can do that again, all through your existing app, they can communicate with you or through a text message or through a, whatever we need to do to ensure that communication is happening. Um, it makes the process significantly easier. And again, that authentication process, we can do that through a credentialing of a wallet, digital wallet, again, an application already built into your, um, your existing app. Uh, you know, we can provide all those solutions for you. We can get you ahead of the game quicker than you can build it on your own, get you innovative, um, and again, reduce that fraud that we're all trying to look for. So I guess to wrap it up, let's say I'm head of business development, XYZ company. All this sounds great. I've got some challenges I want to address. How do I get started working with Anonymy Labs? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think in this world, everybody hates talking to somebody in sales. Like I, I get it. I, I've been a sales professional for probably 20 years now, and I understand the trepidation. Um, in this case, it is a very custom solution. It's going to be built um, to your needs, the needs of your organization. And, you know, we're not trying to cram a specific solution down your throat. What we're trying to build is a long-term partnership with you. And so don't be shy. Reach out to us. Uh, you can certainly um, drop an email to sales at anonymy.com, which is A-N-O-N-Y-O-M-E.com. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those that is a little difficult to, to say, but you can also at, drop us a note at sales at anonymy, which is A-N-O-N-Y-O-M-E.com, or you can do it hello at anonymy.com. Uh, drop us a note. You can feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn, whatever is easiest for you to communicate. Uh, drop us a note. We'd love to chat. Again, there's no pressure. Uh, I'm not going to send you 110 emails afterwards following up to make sure we're still friends. Uh, no worries there. We'd just love to talk to you to see if if we have um, if we have an option for you. The really thing to remember is there's very few pioneers in this industry, and Anonymy is one of those. You know, we have 19 patents, I believe. Uh, a couple are pending around data privacy. Um, some of our founders are titans in the tech industry with when it comes to data privacy and cybersecurity. And so you certainly you want to go with somebody that knows what they're talking about. We've built DI wallets already. Uh, we've launched these solutions to, again, hundreds of thousands of customers. So this is not our first rodeo. And you certainly want to talk to somebody that is familiar and comfortable in this space. And, and Anonymy is certainly one of them. Well, Matt, this is this has been good. I think this topic was long overdue. I've been wanting to do something like this for a while. So we've done the technology side, I think, of the solution to some extent, especially DI. But um, this is this is kind of where you you bridge the gap between the those out there that want a solution and and those that want to build it. So any any parting words, anything you want to leave us with, words of wisdom? I don't have that many words of wisdom. I'm a sales guy, and so 
Um, the really one is, again, it it is if you're not making moves toward this right now, you are going, you are falling behind, you're behind the eight ball already. And so just, uh, you know, the most difficult part of the game really is where do I start? And it's a simple phone call or an email to us and let's talk and we can help guide you down a path that's painless or close to painless and uh, get you doing the things that your organization should be doing already. And we can get you up and running really, really pretty quickly. So um, yeah, that that's about it is just, just get going. You got to take that one step and reaching out to us would be a good step. Yeah. And again, if you're in Vegas on the 23rd, 24th or 25th of October, we're going to be at Money 2020 at booth 13729. And Matt will be there and I will be there too. Yep. You'll find us in black, blue or white shirts with a big anonymy A on the middle. And so we'll probably have a blazer on to pretend like we, we, uh, you know, we're, we're formal and we like to talk business, but we're all, we're all about having a good time. So stop by. We'd love to chat with you. Awesome. Well, thanks. I appreciate your time, Matt. Yep. Thanks for having me, Rich. Thanks. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. In our next episode, we'll be talking to one of the greatest power users of MySudo, the world's only all-in-one privacy app. If you've ever wanted to hear insider knowledge on how a seasoned expert maximizes the benefits of MySudo, this is the episode for you. Until next time, don't forget, privacy is a human right.